Introduction to the Andes and the Amazon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michael Packard. The Andes and the Amazon by James Orton. Introduction by Rev. J.C. Fletcher, author of Brazil and Brazilians. In this day of many voyages, in the old world and the new, it is refreshing to find an untrodden path. Central Africa has been more fully explored than that region of equatorial America which lies in the midst of the western Andes, and upon the slopes of these mountain monarchs which look toward the Atlantic. In this century one can almost count upon his hand the travelers who have written of their journeys in this unknown region. Our own Herndon and Gibbon descended, the one the Peruvian and the other the Bolivian waters, the affluents of the Amazon, beginning their voyage where the streams were mere channels for canoes, and finishing it where the great river appears a fresh-water ocean. Mr. Church, the artist, made the sketches for his famous Heart of the Andes, where the headwaters of the Amazon are rivulets but no one whose language is the English has journeyed down and described the voyage from the plateau of Ecuador to the Atlantic Ocean until Professor Orton and his party accomplished this feat in 1868. Yet it was over this very route that the King of Waters, as the Amazon is called by the Aborigines, was originally discovered. The Ori Sacrifamis, which in 1541 urged the adventurous Gonzalo Pizarro to hunt for the fabled city of El Dorado in the depths of the South American forests, led to the descent of the great river by Orlana, a knight of Trujillo. The fabled women warriors were said to have been seen in this notable voyage, and hence the name of the river, Amazon, a name which in Spanish and Portuguese is in the plural. It was not until nearly one hundred years after Orlana was in his grave that a voyage of discovery ascended the river. In 1637, Pedro Teixeira started from Para with an expedition of nearly 2,000, all but 70 of whom were natives. And with varied experiences by water and by land, the explorer in eight months reached the city of Quito, where he was received with distinguished honor. Two hundred years ago, the result of this expedition was published. The Amazon was from that time, at rare intervals, the highway of Spanish and Portuguese priests and friars, who thus went to their distant charges among the Indians. In 1745 a French academician, de la Condamine, descended from Quito to Para, and gave the most accurate idea of the great valley which we had until the first quarter of this century. The narrow policy of Spain and Portugal was most unfruitful in its results to South America. A jealous eye guarded that great region of which it can be so well said that there are, quote, realms unknown and blooming wilds, and fruitful deserts, worlds of solitude, where the sun smiles and seasons teem in vain, unquote. Now, the making known to the world of any portion of these fruitful deserts is performing a service for the world. This Professor Orton has done. His interesting and valuable volume hardly needs any introduction or commendation. 
for its intrinsic merit, will exact the approbation of every reader. Scientific men and tourists who seek for new routes of travel will appreciate it at once, and I trust that the time is near at hand when our mercantile men, by the perusal of such a work, will see how wide a field lies before them for future commercial enterprise. This portion of the tropics abounds in natural resources, which only need the stimulus of capital to draw them forth to the light, to create among the natives a desire for articles of civilization in exchange for the crude productions of the forest, and to stimulate immigration to a healthy region of perpetual summer. It seems as if Providence were opening the way for a great change in the valley of the Amazon. That immense region drained by the great river is as large as all the United States east of the states of California and Oregon and the territory of Washington, and yet it has been so secluded, mainly by the monopolistic policy of Portugal, that that vast space has not a population equal to the single city of Rio de Janeiro or to Brooklyn. Two million five hundred thousand square miles are drained by the Amazon. Three-fourths of Brazil, one-half of Bolivia, two-thirds of Peru, three-fourths of Ecuador, and a portion of Venezuela are watered by this river. Riches, mineral and vegetable, of inexhaustible supply have here been locked up for centuries. Brazil held the key, but it was not until under the rule of their present constitutional monarch, Don Pedro II, that the Brazilians awoke to the necessity of opening this glorious region. Steamers were introduced in 1853, subsidized by the government, but it is to the young Brazilian statesman, Sr. A. C. Tavares Bastos, that belongs the credit of having agitated, in the press and in the national parliament, the opening of the Amazon, until public opinion thus acted upon produced the desired result. On another occasion, in May 1868, I gave several indices of a more enlightened policy in Brazil, and stated that the opening of the Amazon, which occurred on the 7th of September, 1867, and by which the great river is free to the flags of all nations, from the Atlantic to Peru, and the abrogation of the monopoly of the coast trade of the Amazon to the Rio Grande do Sul, whereby 4,000 miles of Brazilian seacoast are open to the vessels of every country, cannot fail not only to develop the resources of Brazil, but will prove of great benefit to the bordering Hispano-American republics and to the maritime nations of the earth. The opening of the Amazon is the most significant indication that the leaven of the narrow, monopolistic Portuguese conservatism has at last worked out. Portugal would not allow Humboldt to enter the Amazon Valley in Brazil. The result of the new policy is beyond the most sanguine expectation. The exports and imports for Para for October and November 1867 are double those of 1866. This is but the beginning. Soon it will be found that it is cheaper for Bolivia, Peru, Ecuador, and New Granada, east of the Andes, to receive their goods from and to export their India rubber, chichona, etc. to the United States and Europe via the Great Water Highway which discharges into the Atlantic, then by the long, circuitous route of Cape Horn or the Transisthmian route of Panama. End of introduction. Recording by Michael Packard